Boraway Army and fellow music fans, I'm Kayla. And I'm Bethany, and we're the hosts of Standing BTS from the Consequence Podcast Network. We're a bi-weekly show that covers the impact and legacy of K-pop group BTS. We mix the perfect blend of research and fangirl as we take a deep dive into lyrics during album reviews, theorize over music videos, and keep up with their current events. No BTS topic is off limits. We welcome everyone into the conversation, whether you're a casual fan, committed ARMY, or someone who's just curious about one of the biggest music groups in the world. Come chat with us every other Thursday with a new episode wherever podcasts are found. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Consequence Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to The Spark Parade, a show where I geek out with artists and entertainers about their cultural spark of inspiration. I'm Adam Unz at Spark Parade on all social media. Thanks so much for joining me. I have got a great guest for you today. Can you guess who it is? Eh, you don't need to guess. I'll just tell you. The incredible R&B singer Zia Bell spoke to me about her spark. Jill Scott's legendary first album, Who is Jill Scott? Words and Sounds, Volume 1. Um, chatting with Zaya was an absolute pleasure. We spoke about Jill Scott's place in the world of neo-soul and how her music transcends any genre classifications. We also got into the way women are perceived in the music industry, how their careers get compared to one another, and how the image they present can affect the public's perception of them. Um, yeah, it's a really exciting, thought-provoking discussion, and Zaya is so insightful and smart, and yeah, I just really loved it. And I think you will too. In fact, I know you will, and if you don't love it, I mean, see a doctor. Um... Anyway, let's dive right in. Quick Zaya facts. Northern California singer-songwriter Zaya Bell offers a refreshing presence in the world of R&B. Her love for music and art was cultivated by her mother, who is a choir director, and her aunt, who is a vocal coach at her local church in Vallejo, California. Zaya got her start singing in the church's children's choir. Her brilliant new album, Yam Greer, is representative of a woman who is reclaiming her time, agency over her body, and voice through the generations. Inspired by the fierceness Pam Greer exuded in her prominent 70s blaxploitation roles, Yam Greer is the embodiment of a woman who has finally come into her own unapologetically. 
Yam Greer will be released later this year. Quick Who is Jill Scott facts. Who is Jill Scott Words and Sounds Volume 1 is the debut studio album by American singer Jill Scott. It was released on July 18th, 2000, and the album was nominated for Best R&B Album at the 2001 Grammy Awards. The singles, Getting in the Way, A Long Walk, and He Loves Me, were nominated for Best Female R&B Vocal Performance in 2001, 2002, and 2003, respectively. In 2010, the album was ranked number 70 on Slant Magazine's list of the 100 best albums of the 2000s. And there you have it. Enough dicking around. Time for the good stuff. Here comes my chat with Zaya Bell about who is Jill Scott. The first port of call is always, actually, just on a personal note, I need to say, I just realized that this album was released in 2000 and that just makes me feel so fucking old. I like, I, um, I think I, for, in my mind, it's like 10 years old, but yeah. whatever. Anyway, <laughs> let, let's get into the real stuff here. So, um, first protocol is always where, uh, your, your origin story with this. So do you remember hearing this for the first time being turned on to it? Uh, what's your experience of coming to it? Yes. The first time I heard Jill Scott was uh, through watching her music video on BT as a little girl. And um, she had a song called Getting in the Way. That was one of her first singles off of that album. And I remember my mom really encouraging me to listen to her because at that time um, I had like experienced a really like a childhood trauma of having to get my hair cut and I had like a cute little afro at the time and Jill Scott had a short afro when she very first um, was released and we ended up um, kind of finding my representation through her I had already had a huge interest in music but just kind of seeing someone who looked like me uh, really drew me to her music even more. And so that was my first introduction. Yeah. I, um, I read this pitchfork, like looking back on that album, cause I guess they didn't review it when it came out and they do these like deep dives, looking back through their archives and finding like blank spots or whatever. And yep. the way the person who wrote this article, I mean, pitchfork, has a lot of problems um but the way that this person was talking about her they're like it was so refreshing to see a regular person out there you know making music and it's like wait a minute like i know what they're trying to say but that word is like she is beautiful and right. she is in absolutely no way regular um that part. but yeah, that feeling. I mean, I think, you know, without even getting into the music, the way her her image, the way that she uh, carried herself, um, what she wore, her hair, yeah. all of those things um, stood out. She was not a normal uh, star uh, of any musical genre, but I think, you know, yeah. the for want of a better term, the neo-soul movement. Um even within that genre, um, I think she stood out as someone who carried herself with this kind of confidence that was yeah. being authentically herself. It wasn't about styling herself to look like something else so that she could become famous. Um, and right. yeah, having that foundation was pretty amazing. 
Yeah, definitely. But the music as well. Um, I, I mean, did you, were you into that kind of music generally? I mean, I think the neo soul as a uh, genre is pretty broad. There's a lot of different kind of artists who kind of fall under that umbrella. But um, yeah, were were you into all of that kind of music, or um, was this a like particular bright spot for you? No, I was into neo soul as a genre. I didn't know the name of that genre at the time of listening to it. Um, I just knew I was listening to Jill Scott and D'Angelo and Music Soul Child and Erica Badu. And um, those types of artists were much more comfortable for my mom to introduce to me as a mother who, um, you know, grew up incredibly Christian and is a choir director herself and teaching gospel music. Neo Soul was always um, a genre that she allowed me to listen to. Even R&B wasn't even all the way an acceptable genre for her because of like how lyrically how things were said. But typically across the board for the trend of Neo Soul, the idea is still to uphold that nuanced lyricism that maybe the child next to you doesn't know entirely what is being said until they get older. Um, which is how I felt about this album. There was so much that I was listening to that um, had so many sexual innuendos and nuances that I had no idea what she was talking about. But then when I got older, I'm like, oh my God, you know? Mm -hmm. And so my mom allowed me to listen to that type of music that wasn't so blatant, but, you know, that also shaped me as a songwriter myself. So uh, kudos to her for that. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that's a testament to her um skill as a lyricist um and you know the fact that this album has it's like there's poetry there's um it's uh and she's such a good storyteller and i think that is another thing that sets her apart is like really being able to feel like she's giving you a picture of individual moments in her life how she feels about relationships how she feels about um just day-to-day living in a way yeah. that's so descriptive that you feel like you really understand what's going on with her. Um, yeah, is, definitely. Yeah. An amazing talent. Yeah. I enjoy that. And also my, you know, but I, I became aware of her through the roots cause you know, she mm-hmm. um, wrote, uh, you got me, you got me right. Um, and when things fall apart, came out that was like you know the thing that made the roots blow up and the fact that that one song is like kind of this turning point both for jill scott and for eve um erica and and eve because she was um yeah and i mean erica badu was like erica originally uh, erica sang that hook but mm -hmm. jill scott sang it on the original one but definitely yeah for eve on the on the verse that she had on there i almost forgot that she was on that song Mm, yeah definitely yeah. And just kind of like that idea that in talking about the way that uh, like Jill Scott's image that, you know, part of it was that she wasn't famous. And so the record label wanted mm-hmm. Eric Abadou to be the the face of that song so that it could be this big commercial hit, which it was. Um, yep. But then, you know, I, that is also a testament to the to the roots uh, commitment to her saying, we're really sorry. We want to make this right. Bringing her on tour. And then yep. having that live album where her version comes out and it all just kind of snowballs from there. Um, 
And I always love that when you hear a song and you're like, who's, who's this person? I want to hear more from them. And there's not much there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, here she comes. Yep. Like, you know, all of this incredible music that's her own. Um, it's, Definitely. it's really fun to watch. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think uh, getting into this album again, how varied it is that um, you can feel all of these different musical influences. You know, she talks about being influenced by soul and R&B and jazz and hip hop, but also poetry and prose. And um, there's something about this album that feels it's i don't think literary is quite the word but again that kind of storytelling like really feeling um personal like you're getting insight into who she is and and her life um yeah it definitely is a theatrical sort of album in my opinion um she's not very many artists use all the elements of their creative in the works that they do um and she's definitely somebody who injects everything that she is as a creative into her works um you know on top of being a songwriter being a a poet and a lyricist and being in all these things sound so similar but they're they are different hats in the way that you um convey them and so that that album really shows all in one her using her entire creative which you know when you see her perform this live or even hearing the roots um, album live you feel all of that live um, all of those influences the inflections in her tone and how she uses her voice um, it's so powerful because it definitely helps tell a story um, in each song in such an intentional way whether it be through like a spoken word piece or a more operatic moment on he loves me um, it she just always knows how to really intentionally convey the the messaging of her her art right and that to your point the um skill the control that she has her voice is so incredible and singing in all these styles where sometimes it feels operatic sometimes she almost sounds like ella fitzgerald or something mm -hmm. and then there's it's also very contemporary it doesn't feel like you know she's trying to sound like the the people who have influenced her but um you know i think there's also this weight of history in philly um you know the kinds of pe people like you know teddy pendergrass and the delphonics and patty labelle um and then coming up in this scene with people like the roots and eve and whoever bahamadia um yeah that uh it's this being part of this legacy of uh, not just a global music scene, but this local music scene and kind of yeah. inspiring, you know, future generations like Jasmine Sullivan or, or whoever. Um, uh, yeah. And I find that really cool too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the like stylistic variations um, combined with that storytelling, that kind of autobiographical stuff, and then um, making these music videos that feel very personal and very, um, yeah, it's like no, nobody else can do these things besides her. Um, right. Yeah. And, and just really setting herself apart from the beginning as, uh, you know, she gets compared to other people who were a part of the neo-soul movement, like, you know, Angie Stone and people like that. But she is very 
unique and very individual and um yeah it really comes through in the music it's it's pretty incredible yeah I think it's a self thing of her just being very in tune with her own authenticity um which I think is incredibly important because there's always going to be comparisons in the industry and so of course at that time them wanting to compare her to Angie even Erica at times um as we saw on Dave Chappelle's block party, like the interviewing, asking her interviewer, asking her, are you nervous to go up after Erica? And that's like a common thing that they do just in the music industry in general of like wanting to compare you to somebody that you sound similarly like, or that you're in the same genre with. And I think one thing that has inspired me from the start was her ability to just authentically show up, which she kind of had no choice. Like if, if she tried to show up as anybody else in that time in music, it wouldn't have made any sense. It probably wouldn't have, it probably wouldn't have stuck. Even her just being um, a black woman that was plus size at that time, um, that was not something that this the industry was incredibly encouraging about or accepting about. Like instantly you were matured, you weren't sexy, mm -hmm. you were somebody's mom. Like it was like a you were aged immediately, which was easier for which was crazy for the Angie Stone comparison because Angie Stone is a whole generation before her mm. technically and is older than her right but that comparison was happening because that's a lot of times what they were doing to plus size artists back then is just aging them if you're if you're larger you're older you're not sexy um and we've seen similar things happen with you know the whole idea of taking people off of songs because them not being either the look or the notoriety we saw with Kelly Price with her not even being physically present in music videos for years before we even knew what she looked like, but we heard her voice. And right. so for somebody like Jill, it, it was really nice to see somebody just show up. And I think that's what she exercised in her art and even in her visuals was like, I'm not going to be anything other than who I am, I kind of have to be in order to mentally be equipped um, to survive in this industry if if I'm going to be presenting myself out there. So that that was one thing I felt like came through for the album and for at least how I perceived her as an artist when when first being introduced to this project. Yeah. And that's a that's a really good point about the portrayal of plus size women, the the way that she she just didn't allow any of that shit to come into the work that she did and this yeah. album is extremely sexual like it has it she her, oh, yeah. her sexuality is right there and she talks about sex and relationships in the way that is like this is a person who uh, is it, there you could never say that she's sexless or that um you know it, it just wouldn't come into your idea of who she is. But then yeah. in addition to that, this idea of like pitting people against each other, specifically pitting women against each other, and even more specifically pitting black women against each other. And that really petty, gross idea of trying to generate this artificial beef between her and Erica Badu because of this yeah. song that it's like, oh, they must hate each other. It must be this, you know, the real point of contention and they, you know, get backstage and they can't stand each other. And it was the opposite. Um, yeah, it wasn't that at all. And it's it's so interesting. I always wonder how that would have played out if we would have had social media back then, because I didn't even become aware of that 
stigma entirely until they did their verses. Mm. I knew like I watched the block party, but I hadn't seen any other um, interviews where they had truly been compared in that way. And then also in that time when they were coming up, um, at least when Jill Scott's album was first released, I was nine years old. So I was, you know, I was on the internet, but I probably was on like MySpace. I wasn't, you know, looking up articles about people. And so I always think about how would have that, how would that have played out? you know, in today's fandom, in today's society of social media, um, how would that have played out, uh, the whole rumor and gossiping? And so uh, I I enjoyed that they even kind of addressed that on the verses that they did and and, and playing that song and them kind of being like, yeah, like this was something that they tried to do to separate us, but that's never what it was. And so I, I really enjoyed that moment. Time for a quick break, because somebody's got to keep the lights on around here. But we'll be right back. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And then the Angie Stone comparison, like you say, people who I think... Angie Stone is like at least 10 years older than Jill Scott. Um, yeah. And yeah. they, you know, are vaguely making music in the same genre, but it it's not the same yeah. music at all. It's like you can hear they're very distinct, very different. And that really lazy comparison that's just like, oh, two black women who are plus size vaguely in the same genre and we can just lump them together and make yep. a category out of them because we can find these pieces of commonality and it's it's so gross and so like yeah it's it's yeah. like grasping trying to generate a story from nothing when when there isn't really a story there and there are amazing stories to tell about both of these women it's it's just right. like focus on the things that are real yeah no seriously I, that's kind of a a general thing that i, I think will continue to happen and I know that a lot of times people make comparisons so they can have something to relate something back to or to associate it with. Um, 
And, and I think, you know, that also is a thing that happens that people mindlessly do, whether they realize it or not, like, oh, this remind you remind me of this person, or you're like, the, a lot of times artists do not like that at all. But because those comparisons, a lot of times completely disre- disregard our own individuality. And mm-hmm. so, um, yeah, that was really interesting to know that those comparisons were happening, because I was listening to all these artists, but not digesting them as being alike I never once listened to Angie Stone and was like oh she's like Jill Scott like I never I thought I'm like this is Angie Stone mm-hmm. <laughs> so I um, always found that to be really interesting yeah and even when there are uh artists that work really closely together like people comparing Angie Stone's music and D'Angelo's music because mm-hmm. they you know used to be a couple because they did write music together but even then, it's like very distinct, very, um, you know, there there is some common ground, but they have different lanes. And, Definitely. Um, just letting artists be individuals and focusing on their own music, on what that sounds like, on who they are. Um, and yeah, I found this little quote from Jill Scott around the time that that album came out. She said, I wrote this album like a human being. I sing like a black woman. I didn't talk about what everyone else is talking about. If the people who hear my album don't share my experiences, at least they understand. And to me, that's like, you know, saying I'm, I'm speaking from my own experience. This is authentically me. It's not anybody else. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm writing about what has happened to me, uh, my life, my take on the world. And yeah. people can either relate to that because they share some of those experiences or they can sit back and say, like, like listen to me, tell the story and enjoy it that yeah. way. Um, yeah, definitely. I, I for sure share that same sentiment as the artist of like, I mean, there's always different types of artists. There's I always say that there's artists, artists, and then there's like industry artists and mm. Jill Scott is one of those artists, artists. She's a connoisseur of the art. And those are the type of people that their superpowers are their authenticity, whereas other people, their superpowers are how they're received. And uh, most artists want to be somewhere in the middle, like hopefully being able to put out the music that they enjoy, but then also still be loved by the masses. But I think Jill Scott also understood that at that time as well, there was a complete distinction between what was R&B and what was Neo Soul, which is why Neo Soul even had got that name. And it was almost like you kind of were expecting to hear a little bit something more deep or authentic in Neo Soul. Um, And so you got the people that either listened to it because they thought the production was cool, or maybe they wanted to hear what you had to say, or maybe they just saw your video on BT. I don't know, but mm-hmm. it's, I'm happy that she made that sort of statement because it's necessary for some people to understand that regardless of what you're hearing on the radio and, and that it's this repetitive hook that gets stuck in your head. Some of us are creating music that is um, almost like a diary for us. It's our self-expression. And then, yeah, it gets packaged up really cute and we do videos and visuals, but this comes from me first and mm-hmm. hopefully you can relate as a human and relate from there. Um, or you can just relate surface level and maybe you just really like bass heavy tracks or boom bap tracks, you know, mm. however it is. Um, I, I enjoy that. She always leads with the fact that her music is so intimate. Yeah. You know, like you're saying the, 
um, Neo Soul was kind of leaning away from the, you know, 90s, uh, like TLC and Aaliyah. Like those, those are artists who I love, but it's yeah. slick, it's produced, and it's like I, mm, man, sort of manufactured. I mean, I think those artists yeah. have authenticity too, but it it wasn't uh singer songwriters it wasn't people who were like uh necessarily a- had as much control over the creative process yeah. or how they were being presented um and neo soul whether it's reality or not you know there there is some manufacturing in the music industry you know you're going to have people injecting their opinions into whatever happens um Absolutely. but presenting this image that was uh felt more authentic and um, also just having black women with natural hair or like wearing head wraps or whatever, instead of again, this like sort of pop star image um, that had come from nineties R and B for the most part. Um, So it was a real shift and it's, yeah, like really refreshing and gave you um, a different you know, I guess more authentic, uh, feeling about an artist and, and their ability to control, uh, how the public perceives them. Definitely. I mean, there was for sure a distinction at, at that time of like what the R and B girls looked like at that time and what the Neil soul girls looked like. And even if you were making songs that were similar to what people were making in R&B if you had a certain look as well you were being more generalized as a neo-soul artist I mean when you think about India Irie was her music exactly neo-soul I mean she was making a lot of what people might call alternative R&B right now or you know now instead of neo-soul they'll say progressive R&B she was even making a lot of crossover types of songs and Mm -hmm. ballads and but because her look was much more afrocentric and natural it was neo soul and so it was very interesting because it felt like uh neo soul was a genre that was very expressive and liberating but it almost was like you were going to get pigeonholed into either one of those things depending on if your music was incredibly boom bap heavy or if your image was incredibly afrocentric like mm-hmm. it, there was no in between of marrying those two, you know, whereas now we have Beyonce making, you know, Afrobeat music and we're seeing a whole album for Lion King and all these, the imagery of of Africa and the, the nuances of just natural Black women, even in Solange's music and things like that, that, that marrying of, um, of that was not something that was happening. And so it, it's interesting kind of coming up and, and, taken in neo soul now and realizing like it really tried to pigeonhole people into a certain group or look mm-hmm. uh, when truly they were just making music i mean d'angelo's considered neo soul but a lot of his sound that are the new r&b artists are doing today is that but it's considered r&b and so it's it's, it's pretty interesting i mean that was kind of a term that came in the 1990s and just stuck. And some people despise it. I didn't know that until I like got to know certain elders in the industry and they actually did not like that term at all and felt like it caused more issue than empowerment. So that was, that was really interesting to hear that perspective too. 
Yeah. And that is a problem with it is that it's like authenticity becomes the brand and right. it's about uh, saying that, and, you know, like, I don't know uh, if that's necessarily the, the case with India Ari. Like, I, I don't think that she was cultivating that image because she wanted to, yeah. you know, project authenticity, but it was like kind of straddling two worlds. And some of her songs were like almost poppy. Um, no, really? Yeah. And yeah. And you think about that progression and, you know, it feels like hopefully we're kind of starting to get to a place where we don't expect people to be in one tight controlled box. And like you were saying, like this uh, Beyonce with Renaissance, she feels so free. And I was right. listening to um, uh, The Read um, the other day mm-hmm. and they were doing like a track by track breakdown of the album. They were like, can you imagine Beyonce in the nineties swearing at all? And yeah. on this album, she's so like she's so frank blind. and open, open. And, you know, it's very sexual again. Um, but even stuff, you know, uh, thinking of Jasmine Sullivan where her image is like more on the kind of fashion side, like she's not, um, you know, Erica Badu um, in in the nineties. Right. But her last album as well, it's like confessional and really talking about real experiences and not shying away from things that are difficult or controversial to some people or whatever. Um, yeah. So yeah, treating people, treating artists as whole people who are multifaceted and can be many, many things and not limiting them and trying to kind of pigeonhole people because it's easier to market them if you know exactly what to say in three words. Yeah, that's typically the struggle between the consumer and the artist is sometimes the consumer forgets that they're a multifaceted um, consumer that, Mm. you know, you're not you're not meant to just buy this product and digest it in one way. Like this is a human. This is not just a product. This is someone's expression. Like you're not the same today as you were 10 years ago. And you might not be the same tomorrow as you are today, you know? And so even giving artists, giving artists that grace to grow and to constantly be um, progressive is something I feel like now people are sort of, starting to get you know still fans have a hard time with progressive artists artists that express their growth through their music and their interest through their music some artists do stay in a particular lane and that's what works for them um but yeah artists like Beyonce has has shown herself to be that artist you know like Jill that does what's authentic to her and maybe she won't go so extreme to do uh, a dance track but she will do she does what she likes and mm-hmm. so I think sometimes people forget that what you like can change or what you like can be more refined and so you know even though we've seen Beyonce go through different genres and we've maybe seen Jill like kind of stay in a certain lane they still both share that same level of authenticity of of really presenting themselves as um, women first mm-hmm. who just so happen to be artists. And that's something that I really enjoy because if you just only look at yourself as a product, you kind of deprive yourself 
of the whole reason probably why you became an artist in the first place, which is that self-expression. Right, right. And also, you know, like what you're saying about the internet, um, the the effect that that's had, I think record companies still do have the ability to shape their artists to be able to dictate terms once you're, you know, have, have been signed. Yeah. But you, the barrier to entry into the music industry now, you can make music on your own in your home and set the stage for who you are, how you want to present yourself without having to ask permission of, you know, industry gatekeepers first. So, right. you know, hopefully that means um, at least in some instances, people can kind of introduce themselves to the world in the way that they want to, whether that sticks when, you know, uh, industry fingers start uh, sneaking right. in and, and deciding what they want um, is, is uh, remains to be seen. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah. definitely does allow you to have a little bit more control over how you present yourself Um because we just we have so many outlets to do so now, which is amazing. I always think about the fact that when I first started doing music, there were no DSPs. Like there were no, uh, there weren't multiple DSPs. I mean, you downloaded music on your i, you know, your your uh, what was it called? Your um, iPod. iPod. Yeah, yeah. There wasn't oh, like you know, there wasn't like a Spotify or anything. Or and if you wanted to like even release music on a DSP, on Apple, as a local artist, you had no accessibility to that unless you had a distribution deal. So, mm. you know, I was releasing music on like Mixcloud and like download bots and stuff like that to like post links for people to download, to put onto their iPod. And so it's so interesting now because we just have, we can now just sign up for a distribution company and release. And it's put a lot of power um, in our hands on, on how we release and what we release. But, you know, the the machine always figures out a way to set up rules and parameters. So um, it's a it's a great thing. It's just a it's just a new game. Yeah. Yeah. It's a yeah. constant struggle to figure out a way to kind of uh, maintain your uh autonomy um <laughs> but oh, yeah. um yeah, yeah definitely yeah boundaries are necessary whenever you're trying to maintain any any sort of of individuality in such an accessible industry so yeah 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 um i think that is a lovely place to uh I'll leave it. Um, thank you so much. This has been a, a, a total joy. Really, really loved it. So um, I really appreciate you making time for me. Of course. It's been really cool to discuss like an album that completely changed my life. So thank you so much for um, allowing space for artists to be able to talk about works of art that inspire them. So thank you for that. Yeah, thank you. This, is, uh, this has been great. Um, so cool. yeah, take care. See, totally amazing. Thanks so, so, so much to Zaya for such a truly fantastic chat. Grab her wonderful new album, Yam Greer, as soon as it's out this autumn. And that's all I really got for you this week. You have a lovely long weekend if you're in the States. Uh, have a lovely normal weekend if you're in a place that isn't celebrating a holiday on Monday. And until next time... Bye.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.